The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast. I'm your host, Jason, along with my friend and co-host, Roger. And uh, we're here to pick up uh, sort of where we left off in our last episode as we were uh, talking about those who've gone before us and lessons that we can learn from them and kind of the importance of biographies and thinking about uh, other people's lives as, as models and examples for our Christian walk. And as uh, Roger alluded to at the end of our last episode, uh, in this episode, we want to take, uh, take a look at just one particular individual's life and uh, their story and kind of think through some lessons they learned through their life and experience with the Lord. And this particular person is someone that Roger, you like to talk about somewhat often, maybe not as mm-hmm. often as you like to talk about JC Ryle, uh, but this is another one of your favorite guys, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. You, you like a number of his books. You refer to him. Uh, you've, you've really, I feel like you've grown a lot from reading him is what you've said. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you want to talk about me, huh, Roger? Absolutely. That's not. <laughs> this episode uh, is on humility. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh man! If only they could see your face when I said that. He's <laughs> like, "What?" Um, no, no. We uh, obviously we're not talking about that. Uh, we're talking about uh, a, a wonderful author that many people have read and know. Uh, and that is Jerry Bridges. Um, you know, Roger, you've talked about him a lot. I don't know a lot about Jerry Bridges, and I haven't, in fact, read this autobiography uh, that you're going to be uh, talking about a little bit. Can you just give us a little background? Who is Jerry Bridges or was Jerry Bridges? Yeah, so Jerry Bridges uh, recently passed away, uh, recently and five years ago. He passed away in 2016 at the age of 86. Uh, he was born uh, in 1929 and lived up until 2016. Uh, he went to school and was an engineer um, as a degree, the University of Oklahoma, and then the Lord directed him uh, to the navigators you familiar, familiar with the yeah, navigators ministry sure. so he was in that ministry and that's where he really grew was through that system of scripture memorization and then mm-hmm. while in that he fulfilled many different positions and he actually uh, served really outside of the church but he served the church by writing he was a very clear thinker and a, a very concise writer and i think that's why a lot of people uh, enjoy reading him because he's he's theological without the difficulty of understanding what are you referring to what are you talking about you don't need a seminary degree to understand some of his terminology he's writing to the common person but his yeah. thoughts are just really uh simple to understand were, were you the one that told me that he his writing was really good but he wasn't a good speaker is that true mm-hmm. Uh, I'm don't recall that. I mean, he did speak. I, I, he didn't speak as much that I know of, but he was called out as a speaker. He wasn't like a big conference speaker, but he would go and would teach. 
So he would teach small groups of people. Okay. Um, and I used to hear him on the radio when he was older and uh, just listen to him. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed just his writing ability and just yeah. learning from that. But his, his speaking wasn't as, as dynamic, you could say, as his writing was. Okay. Um, he wrote about a dozen books. He's probably uh, uh, well known for The Pursuit of Holiness, which mm-hmm. I think was his first book. And then he really focused uh, a lot uh, on grace and uh, identity, on pursuing the Lord, pursuing holiness, pursuing a real relationship with Christ. Uh, if, if you could, if you could kind of pin down a, a theme of his life from what you gathered, is there one kind of identifiable theme in his life that, or that he it was kind of pointing to, cause he wrote his own autobiography, obviously autobiography. So yeah. Um, yeah. So the theme of this autobiography that he wrote back in 2014 was titled God took me by the hand, a story of God's unusual providence. Mm-hmm. So he really focused on the providence of God in his life and in God directing him. So this is what he says of himself at the age of 17. He says, when I was 17 years old, it seemed as if God took me by the hand and said, come with me. And for more than 65 years, God has, as it were, continued to hold my hand and lead me in the path he has marked out for me. Wow. So he talks a lot about God's providence and how God is working in life. Like he wrote a book um, on suffering. I'm forgetting the title of it. All, not all things work for good, but uh, how to trust God when, when life hurts. I, I'm mm. pretty sure that's the title of it. And it was all about the providence of God when life is hard, when mm. life is not going the way we think, how do we think about God? So that was one theme along with uh, sanctification was just written all over his books. Yeah, You could not read Jerry Bridges without realizing that he truly believed that if you know Jesus, your, your uh, walk with the Lord is going to be uh, marked by holiness and that's going to uh, be shaped throughout your entire life and how that process works is what he uh, would talk about in, in his books what an important theme uh, that's a huge huge theme um what when you were reading the book uh and you're reading about him and and all that he was kind of describing did anything stand out to you? Any moment in his life, any transformative moments that you can recall? It's so funny you say that because in the last chapter of the book, what he does is he says, uh, I'll read this statement. He says, the providence of God is active every moment of our lives, but there are times when the action of God particularly stands out, bringing about some major changes in our lives. And then he marks year by year, going all the way back from his birth to the year 2011 and marks out all those kind of major events. But the first one or really one that really shaped his life is he was born with physical disabilities. Oh, so he was born, he says, uh, cross-eyed, deaf in the right ear and deformities in his spine and breastbone. And he, from an early age, thought, 
what could I be used for? I, I'm so, you know, I have all these uh, hindrances. And then he realized, no, in God's sovereignty and providence, Psalm 139, you know, God formed him exactly yeah. how he wanted him to be. I, I had no idea. I did not know any of that. Uh, and, and it's so interesting that that already puts him in a certain context now that helps me to appreciate even more the stuff I know that he's written and, and, and how he's pursued holiness when, you know, some people might, you know, pursue gratification and pleasure because they've been <laughs> challenged right in this way. So yeah. how, how cool that that's great. Any, any other moments that you thought as you were reading through his, even though what he's laying yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, some of his, his struggles at work hmm. and because I relate to that because I don't work in the church. I work outside of the church. The way he would talk about the challenges and how God was ordaining and moving him in and out. And some of the times that were just really difficult for him. And those marked him like God was moving him. He had a position and then God changed that position. And, you know, that was difficult and, um, you know, but God was ordaining it and creating something new for him and creating a new avenue uh, for him to go through. Um, it, it's interesting as you read all these events that he marks out as significant. <laughs> this is what he says uh, about these years. He says, the years 1955 through 2011 were a period of 56 years. I look at 25 of them as experiencing the blessing of God on my labors. Another 15 years were clearly painful and another 16 were neither particularly painful nor blessed. Wow. So interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, wow. I, I don't know. I, I, it's almost like, I, I don't know what to do with that. Do I, do I want to look back and, and categorize each year and, and think about it. that's interesting. That's fascinating. Um, well, you had said that, that he kind of lays out lessons uh, in his own book. Um, yeah. What, what were those lessons or I don't know how you, if you'd like to walk us through some of those or, or all of those. Yeah. So he gets to seven lessons toward the end of the book um, before he gets there, you know, he spends this, this book on different phases of his life. So he starts from birth and talks about God's providence and, you know, growing up and becoming an adult and all of these areas of life. But let me just read his definition of providence. I think mm. it would be helpful. Um, he says, God's providence is his constant care for and his absolute rule over all his creation for his own glory and the good of his people. And he reflects on providence uh, throughout the book. Uh, he talks about God's sovereignty uh, in working over all people and all circumstances. Um, just read a couple more thoughts before we get to the lessons. I think they're helpful. Sure. Uh, he says that um, God who has purposed the end from the beginning directs and orchestrates millions of events and circumstances every day. Just that overall thought that God is involved in everything. And then he talks about sometimes life is hard or confusing, not hard, confusing. He says, 
uh, about that. He says, first, we cannot maneuver around the sovereign will of God, regardless of what devices we resort to. Second, even when God makes our way crooked, he is with us every moment and he will not forsake us. That's good. So the chapters are full of these thoughts about God's providence and how he was working in his life throughout his life. So at the end of the book, he talks about the spiritual lessons he's learned. So he says over 60 plus years of being a believer, there's seven lessons that stand out in his life uh, in a significant way. And so let me read through these and then we can discuss them and think about them. But lesson number one, uh, which is true to who he was, was he says, the Bible is meant to be applied to specific life situations. So he says this includes both God's commands to be obeyed and his promises to be replied upon. Here, of course, is where scripture memorization is so valuable. The Holy Spirit can bring to our mind specific scriptures to apply to specific situations. Hmm. He actually will talk about how the spirit works in his life. And uh, he, he talks about it earlier about how the spirit actually directs. Uh, Some people criticize his view on it. Um, Mm. I think he does have a healthy, balanced view, uh, Mm. personally. Uh, I don't see anything uh, in a sense where he's just thinking, oh, God led me this way. The spirit led me. He always backs it up saying, you know, if you can't back it up with the word of God, then be careful with what you're sensing from God. But he does say, no, God does work specifically. Yeah. And so it's scripture is to be applied to specific situations. Is that what you, what's the specific life situations? life situations. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it kind of, I mean, if you think about what scripture is and the fact that there's something, uh, you know, we say that, you know, looking at Hebrews four, it's living and active, mm-hmm. right? The word of God is living and active. There's something very uh, helpful in seeing that God's word is a, applicable uh in our daily lives to very specific situations uh and and that doesn't mean that god intended it just for that moment or something like that Mm -hmm. but it is applicable in each of these uh, moments that's really that's very helpful so let's look at lesson number two and he says all who trust in christ as savior are united to him in a living way, just as the branches are united to the vine, John 15, one to five. This means that as we abide in him, that is depend on him in faith, his very life will flow into and through us to enable us to be fruitful, both in our character and our ministry to others. Hmm. That was good. You know, that's, working in our lives we're united to him and that's where our life is flowing out of he he bases it in the relationship with christ union with christ amen that's that's just really encouraging too mm-hmm. that it's christ's life flowing in and out of us uh, that is that is effective that's really helpful too yeah really good we'll get to somewhere i think you'll really connect with and and uh 
want to interact with because as you've been going through sanctification um, in church through I, these messages. Yeah, you mean I've been teaching on sanctification, not that I've been being going through sanctification, right? <laughs> you're not being sanctified? Well, oh, no. that's right. You're teaching us because you already arrived. Just teaching. So. That, that's, that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, but I really like his views on sanctification. I actually use one of his quotes in uh, uh, my project when I did it for my program because it was just so helpful. The way he he clearly uh, conveys his ideas. So this is what he says in lesson three. The pursuit of holiness and godly character is neither by self-effort nor simply letting Christ live his life through you. Rather, it does involve our most diligent efforts, but with a recognition that we are dependent on the Holy Spirit to enable us and to bless those efforts. I call this dependent responsibility. That's the major theme of his book called The Transforming Power of the Gospel, is he says that we are both responsible for it, but we're dependent. So there's this tension that we're holding that he calls dependent responsibility um, as we're walking. And I like that because he doesn't overemphasize either side of that, right? It's not, don't worry, Christ is going to do it through all through you nor is it it's all up to you yeah no, that, yeah that's a very good helpful balance because you, you do we see so often an imbalance in people's perspective on that that either it's all this kind of human effort and responsibility uh you know or like you said there's it's not you just kind of throw your hands up and it's it's only god doing this this uh, work in you which i believe these things can be merged. That's a really helpful way of, of looking at it. dependent responsibility. Yeah, that's his phrase. And yeah, and it was in that other, that book he wrote, The Transforming Power of the Gospel, which was written more recently. So that was written toward the end of his life. And I look at that book as that kind of brought together a lot of his thoughts from the previous books, where he kind of put all of his thoughts together into one book um, and talking about sanctification. Um, he'll he'll get back into sanctification in some of the later lessons, but this is a unique one that uh, something I learned about him is this is lesson four. The sudden understanding of the doctrine of election was a watershed event for me that significantly affected my entire Christian life. For example, it was the realization of God's sovereignty and election that led me to study further the sovereignty of God in all of life. It also produced a deep sense of gratitude, and I trust humility of realizing salvation was entirely of him. Amen. Like that. If election leads to that, you know, what a, a, an awesome response. To understand in God's election, right? It's yeah. gratitude and humility, which is exactly what Calvin said it would produce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, that's really good. So, uh, and the next one, getting back into sanctification, lesson five: the representative union of Christ and the believer means that all that Christ did in both his perfect obedience and his death for our sins is credited to us. 
Or to say it another way, because Christ is our representative before the Father, it was just of God to charge our sins to Christ and to credit his righteousness to us. So we as believers stand before God perfectly cleansed from both the guilt and defilement of our sins, but also clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. Yeah. Amen. What more can you say to that? (laughs) Do you find that, you know, as you're thinking through sanctification, that, that maybe one of the errors is that union with Christ isn't emphasized enough. Yeah. Oh yeah. The more I'm studying the topic, the more central union with Christ is in, in my mind, as you just think about what we have, what, what the gospel is, the gospel is Christ. We, we get Christ. We're mm-hmm. in him. He's in us. There is no other explanation of our holiness. There is no other explanation of our sanctification. There's also no other explanation of our justification. You know, as Calvin would say, the double grace. You've you've got yeah. both of these things. So yes, it's uh, and, and clearly Bridges saw that and he understood mm-hmm. that. Yeah. This next one is also a statement he's very well known for. Hmm. Um, this is lesson six is the gospel is not just for unbelievers in their coming to Christ. He talked about this over and over and over again. So he says, rather, all of us who are believers need the gospel every day because we are still practicing sinners. The gospel embraced every day helps us keep, no, I'm sorry, the gospel embraced every day helps keep us from self-righteousness because it frees us to see our sin for what it really is. Also gratitude for what God has done for us in Christ should motivate us to want to pursue godly character and to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to him. Yeah. Too, too often we think we graduate from the gospel as though, so that's even possible. You know, and, and we think that's just for the beginning of the Christian life. It is the entirety of the Christian life. And uh, it, which is why union with Christ that you were just pointing to earlier is so central. Um, so that's that's fantastic. And that's excellent point that he's making there. Yeah, I think it was a Tim Keller who said it's not just, you know, the ABCs. It's the entire mm. uh Christian life, the gospel, it doesn't just get us into uh, a relationship with Christ. It's what we live out of. And one of his emphasis or one of the things he saw people struggling with and why he makes this statement is that he found that people fall into a performance trap. Hmm. So what happens is he would say that we get it. We believe the gospel for salvation, right? We, 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 we're holding on to the truth, but then in our sanctification, we're living as if the gospel doesn't matter anymore. So we live our days like this. If we're obedient to the Lord, we feel good about ourselves. Oh, God must love me today. Look how I've lived before. On a bad day, when we've disobeyed the Lord, we think, oh, no, the Lord's going to discipline us. He's upset at us. He's angry at us. And he said that that kind of rat race or not rat race, but that going into that cycle of good day, bad day, 
can only be addressed by embracing the gospel that teaches you that God doesn't love you anymore when you've had a day where you think you've been obedient or on a day when you've been disobedient. And so I've always remembered that from him as, as the antidote to this performance Christianity where we're doing everything out of what are we doing? It's all focused on me and we forget our union with Christ. If you, if you think about some of the key implications there, uh, if, if, he's loves me more. If he loves me more, the days that I'm obedient, um, then there's something lovable in me outside of Christ. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it must be because I'm no more or less in Christ today than I was yesterday <laughs> or, you know, being united union with Christ is not something that comes and goes in phases or, or in increments yep. or levels. And, um, I can't remember the exact way that Ferguson says it, but he says something similar to that where he, he basically says, you'll never be more justified than yeah. on the first day that you had faith and you'll never be less justified than Christ himself is justified. Something of that nature. You're like, that. Whoa, wow. Yeah. Um, and so such a, such a helpful point uh, to, to keep our, our minds set on, on Christ. Uh, yeah. This last one, so this is uh, lesson seven, uh, again, talking about sanctification. Um, He says this, we are dependent on the Holy Spirit to apply the life of Christ to our lives. Someone has said, and this is a paraphrase, God the Father purposes, Christ accomplishes what the Father has purposed, And the Holy Spirit applies to our lives what Christ accomplished. To do this, the Spirit works in us directly, and he enables us to work. All the spiritual strength that we need comes to us from Christ through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And that's why we are called by Paul to walk by the Spirit. Yep. And be led by the Spirit. You were emphasizing that a lot last week. Yeah. So important and such a crucial point to grasp. And, you know, it's interesting. This is a a passage that's been on my mind. So it kind of fits with this point that, uh, that Bridges is making there. Paul in first Corinthians 15 verse 10 says something interesting. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, listen to this. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. And so you get this, you almost get a a, a Paul sandwiched by grace, right? So, or a Paul's work, but it's sandwiched by by grace uh, on, on either side. It's I am who I am by the grace of God. I'm working hard, you know. I'm working, putting in my effort. But I'm all, it's not really me. It's the grace of God in me. And there's that that tension, that balance. That uh, there, I think there's something really mysterious even there um, that we don't understand how it could be me, Paul, saying I'm working harder than anyone. But it's really the grace of God in me. You've got these two things going on at once. And it's that dependent responsibility <laughs> that uh, Bridges talked about. And it's, 
glorious and it's fantastic. And it, Paul is embracing it here in first Corinthians 15 in, in Philippians chapter two, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, refer to God who both works in you and to mm. both to will and to do, right? So you've got, you've got this, it's all grace. And because of grace, I'm working. And uh, in, in other words, you can replace that grace with the spirit because he's the one who applies that grace to us. So it's all the spirit. I work because the spirit's working in me. Amen. Well, I he guess, makes. Oh, go ahead. He he makes you know one last comment uh, as he gets toward the end about the future. He mm-hmm. he writes the final paragraph because he is uh, in, in poor health toward the end of his age uh, or his life. He he has has heart surgery and mm-hmm. and other procedures. And this is what he said, and I like it because, it, again, it reveals his humility. He was very humble when you listen to him speak. Mm. You just listen to a man who truly loved the Lord and just wanted to live before the Lord. And not perfect. None of us are perfect, of course. But he emulated a humility, and, and you can see that in what he says here. Um, someone has said everyone has a life story, but not every story gets written. I have written mine not because my story is particularly important, but because it is so clearly and so consistently over the years illustrates the unusual providence of God in the life of a very unpromising young boy. As you read this, I hope that you can see why I say it seems that when I was 17 years old, God took me by the hand and said, come with me. That's cool. That is, that is, I guess uh, the reality is I, I need to go back and read more Bridges uh, and, and probably that autobiography too. What, what's the title of the autobiography, Roger, so that our, our listeners would know? Yeah, so the title is God Took Me By The Hand. Hmm. Nice. Uh, that, that's, uh, you know, we talked about in our last episode, the kind of the importance of how looking at other people's lives and learning from them. Uh, it sounds like that book is almost like you're sitting with your grandfather and yes. he's just talking to you yes. about his life and his story, really about God's story in his life. That's really cool. Sounds like a good read. Um, as you're thinking about it, Roger, any any other thoughts, uh, last reflections on either Bridges life and ministry or on the book itself? Yeah, I think just overall, when you read Bridges, you're able to get a lot of good theological truth uh, in a way that is easily, uh, uh, you can easily understand it uh, and find um, that, that he applies truth to life, that it's not just to learn about God, but it's how is God actually connecting that to all of life. But there's just such great truth about our sanctification that you find throughout all of his writing. And it's always great um, to, you know, study and read someone who finished well and finish his life off faithful. We all want that in our lives to be faithful to the end to the Lord. We know it's him holding us, but at the same time, we're responsible and, and wanting to end well, he, he did, and he made an impact on many people. And, you know, hopefully someone will pick up some of his books and read and be encouraged. And as we said, learn from those who have gone before us um, in our lives. 
Amen. And, and uh, Roger, I'm going to ask that if you don't mind, if you could make sure you put on our uh, website under the episode notes, um, a, two or three at least of your favorite of the books that uh, Jerry Bridges has written that you thought were most powerful and impactful for you. And uh, I hope that our listeners would take a look at that. It's rodnstaff.org. And you could take a look and see the episode notes, see see what, uh, what books are out there. And um, I hope you were encouraged. I was encouraged. So I, I had not heard uh, about this book and I had not read the book. And so it was neat for me to go through with Roger now uh, these seven points and lessons, as well as the whole life uh, of Jerry Bridges. And we really hope that you were encouraged as well. As always, we ask that you would uh, subscribe and uh, encourage others to subscribe. You can share. And if you have any ideas as to topics you'd like us to cover, we're always willing to hear from you. And we'd love some uh, feedback. Uh, and we hope that uh, you continue to be blessed and grow in your own walk uh, with the Lord and sanctification uh, until the next time we come together. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.